Hey, thanks for downloading this podcast. If you want to listen live, be sure to download the iHeartRadio app and search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Thanks for listening and enjoy the show. You're listening to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Wednesday edition of Fantasy Sports. Today, it's the final time to add and drop players. Waiver Wire Wednesday and a preview of the weekend. Fantasy Sports Today starts now. Fantasy Sports Today. Welcome in. This is Fantasy Sports Today. Happy Wednesday, one day closer to the Fantasy Football Championship. Joe Pizapia, Craig Mish with you. Sean Guastamaki is always producing the show. And Joe, this is it for a lot of people. Uh, it comes down to this week. If you're fortunate enough to get to this point, uh, we've got the games getting ready to go off here. I know that uh, we'll hit the waiver wire here coming up in a little bit. It was a big waiver wire for some people, especially with those injuries. But you know, certainly it's kind of put up or shut up time for sure as we get ready for the... Uh, The championship round here and a lot of games coming up. Fortunately, we don't have to make any of those decisions tomorrow all this weekend. Yeah, absolutely. Very exciting times for a lot of folks. And this is also a time of year where a lot of people out of it start to dabble in DFS and lose money because they don't understand exactly what they're doing. So hopefully tomorrow we'll try to get you a little heads up to last couple of weeks. We've had some good picks. Perryman was in that group last week. Devontae Parker was in that group. And we talked about last week in the segment for DFS. So stay tuned for that tomorrow. But yeah, it's uh, definitely crunch time here. I still don't understand why some teams uh, in some leagues are still playing for championships in week 17. I don't know what the thought process is. I don't understand why you'd want to decide a season in week 17 where a bunch of guys aren't playing. It just seems like uh, a waste to me. Yet sometimes people still do it, and it drives me absolutely crazy. But yes, we're championship week. Very excited. This is what you play for. This is what you want. And uh, I'm very pleased to have a shot at the big one, at the belt. That's what it's all about, Craig. All I want is that belt. You keep all the money. I want the prestige of being the champ with the belt. Yeah, I want the money. Um, you can keep I know. the belt. You're a money guy. I'm a belt I guy. Am, I'm definitely a money guy at this stage. But, you can't take um, it with you, Craig Mish. You can take the belt with you, though. You know, you can get buried with the belt. I guess you could get buried with the money, too. <laughs> yeah, I don't know about that one, Joe. Uh, but you can also sell the belt. But besides the fact that, um, you know, the one thing is interesting, no game on Thursday night, Joe. So they've ended that, and smartly so. But we have three games on Saturday. Makes things a little bit easier. I don't really love those Thursday night games. I think we've had probably three or four that have been really good over the course Mm -hmm. of the whole season, and the rest of them have kind of been duds. But let's start off with some of the news and notes. Uh, At least the Steelers have made their decision at quarterback, and it seemed a little dicey on Monday when Mike Tomlin had his press conference. He didn't really give a rousing endorsement to Devlin Hodges, Duck Hodges, as they call him, the quarterback of the Pittsburgh Steelers. I'm going to guess that internally they met Joe and they went over the options option, you know, backup option one would have been going back to Mason Rudolph. Uh, I thought that they would assign somebody. I kind of was leaning in that direction that we're going to get shocked and they're going to go on the waiver wire, grab someone, put them in practice and see, I, I mean, I don't know. I don't really agree with this decision to be honest with you. I think that they should have taken a shot. Um, I guess they consider it a successful season. If this guy somehow by some miracle gets them into the playoffs, but they're not going anywhere with this guy. And well, look, no, no indictment on him. It's just the reality of where the Steelers are at. 
And last week was a really tough matchup. I mean, I don't know how many times to talk about it. Bill's secondary is outstanding. So it was not a good matchup for Hodges or any quarterback for that matter. Uh, even Lamar at times kind of struggled a little bit, the points in that game when he faced him. Uh, but I will say this. I would be very surprised if Hodges throws a pick in the first quarter if they don't make a change to Rudolph. I think that is probably what's going to happen. So I would be very, very um, careful about who I'm starting if you have any Pittsburgh Steelers in this game. And that kind of includes Connor in that mix, too. You'd imagine they would want to run him, but the Jets against the run have been very good this year. This is an offense, I think, in championship week. If you can avoid, then you would. You could play the Steelers defense. That's fine. But I think any of these offensive pieces, whether it be Deontay Johnson, whether it be James Washington, whether it be Connor, I think you stay away from those guys because I think the potential tenuous situation at quarterback really, you know, put you in a bad potential spot. So avoid it if you can. I would put, if I were a betting man like Craig Mish, I would put money on Hodges not finishing this game at quarterback. It sounds reasonable. It does. We'll just have to see if they decide to uh, make that call, as you said, with one pick if possible. Uh, another piece of news that came out yesterday, uh, the owner of the uh, Detroit Lions uh, said to a bunch of reporters that Matt Patricia gets that uh, endorsement to come back another season. Um, look, I think that this is probably, uh, you know, this is it. You know, he'll have one more year to get to, uh, I'm going to guess nine wins, probably has to get to nine to keep his job. But good job by Patricia to parlay a coordinator job with the Patriots into getting millions of dollars with the Detroit Lions. I don't know that this is going to work. Uh, even if they had Stafford, I don't think that they would have made the playoffs. But they did lose a lot of close games this year. So I can I can be down with another year for him. But I think that going into next year that the Lions Joe, are going to have to, I don't think they have to make the playoffs, but I think that they're going to have to get to nine wins or, the Lions will be searching for yet another head coach in the NFL. Yeah, I would agree with that. And I think Patricia did a very good job with this team, especially the first six weeks of the season. This team was competitive. They had a big upset of the Chargers at home. They were very competitive against Green Bay, against Kansas City, lost those games on very, very tough calls that did not go their way. Then you have the injury to carry on Johnson coupled and doubled down with the injury to Matt Stafford. So really, there's very little you can do as a coach in the NFL when you lose your star quarterback. It's it's very difficult to do. Tomlin's done a great job with what he's had, but he's had a lot more to work with on the defensive side in terms of personnel. But I think overall, you look at the coaching job and the preparation job. This was a team that competed. This is a team that played. This is a team that you think if there's health in 2020, he's got a shot at those nine wins. I think he'll fall short of it. I think he'll be back as a coordinator, probably going into 2021. But I would think it's would probably be silly to fire him right now because I don't I don't know who you would bring into that situation. I think you go in there, you have a good free agency, you have a good draft, and you retool a little bit, and hopefully Stafford is enough to be uh, healthy and play 16 games. If Stafford doesn't play 16 games, especially Patricia will definitely be out of a job next year. Yeah, and, and I would agree with everything except for saying that he did a very good job because again, well, with what he had. No, yeah, I mean I, I don't think those first six weeks it was I a mean, very competitive football team. Joe, Big three, effort level. Three twelve and one is not a very good job, no matter how you slice. No, it's but again, I'm trying to say I I did preface it by saying by that time in the year and the first six weeks of the season they were an incredibly competitive football team. You watch the games, you know what I'm talking about. The difference between looking at a record and watching the games is seeing the effort level, seeing where they're at in the fourth quarter, seeing how tight games were seeing if they were behind what kind of effort you were getting. You were getting that. And then everything fell apart in the second half with the injuries. And there's nothing you can do. Guys are going to quit. Guys are going to stop. That's that's just the nature of the beast. So I would give him one more run at it. I, I just, I mean, that's fine, but I just, I, I can't ever okay, I know. For, for that moniker. I mean, was he okay? Sure. Um, I, I would not put the very good in the B or B plus range. I, I just well, wouldn't. if you're the Lions, what's your temptation for a coach to come there to? I well, mean, you have an older quarterback. No, they have to stick with, with him, I think. Right. But, yeah. But I, but I, at the end of the year, if you said give me the top twenty coaches in the NFL, he would not be in there, and that and, and the top I twenty probably, coaches would be 
good job. You know, I just can't, I can't say that. And again, uh, other teams have had injuries. Uh, Carolina's record's better. You know, I mean, Carolina's uh, record is better than, um, and then they have, do they have more to work with? I don't think so. No, I don't, I don't think that they have more to work with. Well, the Carolina division hasn't been all that great either. But they didn't win many games either. Would you say that Ron Rivera did a great job? Would you say Doug Marone did a great job? He's got more wins. Well, I'll tell you what. If you're Ron Rivera, do you want to be the coach of the Lions? Probably not. I don't know if that's the job you're holding out for. I mean, I don't know. I don't know. We'll see where he ends up. I I don't know that Rivera coaches next year. Everyone's just so ready to make these guys coaches, and I think that some of them like to sit out a year and and see what happens. Um, Speaking of sitting out at this stage of the game, just kind of a curious question from you, Joe. I mean, we've been you and I've been doing this for. um, I mean, I've been doing this for you know 20 years as an analyst, maybe for uh, you know 15 years. What percentage of people do you think that are out there are still paying attention to fantasy football at this point? I always wonder when we get to this stage, like, for example, if if you have a uh, a classroom with a 100 percent attendance record mm-hmm. in, in August, let's use August as an example. What percentage do you think care at this point? And I, I'm very comfortable yeah. hosting this show and being in the position I'm in to be able to say these kind of things because the powers that be have given me full carte blanche and to, you know, to, to do things like this, whereas maybe my previous gig, I couldn't say that. Um, and, and and I I'm just wondering what your perspective is on it. Like, do you think that people that are out are still caring or they tuned out? Like what, what, what would you I think say? it's a higher percentage than you realize, because I think there's a, I mean, from what I've garnered over the last couple of years with black book football really blowing up. I mean, I, I've got a ton of messages over like, like I have had as many Twitter questions the last three weeks as I've had. And even this week as I've had all year, it's crazy. So that means that's a good thing. That means people are having success with right. black book and everything. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's a positive. But I would say there's such a huge fantasy football community that even teams that are out of it, they like to be in the discussion of it because they obsess about it. That's why they're reading the black book in June and July. And that's why that at the end of it, if their teams did go wrong and they're not playing for championships, they still want to hear about it because they're already thinking about next year. So I'm going to say for the fantasy football fan out there, it's probably 75% are still into it and interested because a lot of them are still playing DFS. And a lot of them are already thinking about next year and prepping, if you can believe it. They're already trying to evaluate what went right and what went wrong. Okay, we'll be right back with the opening drive right after this. Don't go away. NFL season is now upon us, and you can become the eighth person to win $1 million in a FanDuel or DraftKings tournament by setting their lineups using the DailyRoto.com DFS lineup optimizer. If you are playing daily fantasy sports and not using DailyRoto.com, you're doing it wrong. Sign up now for the NFL access with a faster optimizer, smarter DFS projections, and better results. Enter promo code ACTION for a 10% discount. That's promo code ACTION for a 10% discount. DailyRoto.com, where millionaires are made. Then he pivots, fakes, chucks the big bomb halfway down the field to our hopefully still wide open tailback. I call it Fantasy Sports Today with Craig Mish and Joe Pizzapia. Fantasy Sports Today presents First play from scrimmage. The opening drive. The first play of the game. Cut the opening play and all the way for a touchdown. And welcome back to the opening drive here on Fantasy Sports Today. It is Craig Mish and Joe Pizzapia. We have the college bowl season getting ready to kick off on Saturday. We will dive into that a lot more as the week goes on here. Also would encourage you, those of you who are into that, on Thursday night, we pushed it back a day. I'm not ready. I got to tell you, I need more time on this. Thursday night, 8 o'clock Eastern over on Wager Alarm. 
We'll break down all 40 games. We'll have picks, it looks like, on about 25 of them so far. Uh, dangerous time of the year. Got to be really careful uh, with betting on bowl games. But uh, Howard Bender and I will do our best. After a good year in college, a good year in pro, we'll try and close this out in a good way like we did last year. But you never know. Every year is different. First down. Oh, man. Um, we'll get into the waiver wire in a minute and what I did. But specifically, Joe, will the Vikings play their starters on Monday night? There are some rumblings that if the Rams lose on Sunday, that would eliminate them. The Vikings then would need to beat the Packers, and the Vikings also would need the Packers to lose at home to Detroit for them to win the division. Do you think that Mike Zimmer, if the Rams lose, will play hard for four quarters and go for that possibility, or do you think that guys like Thielen and Cook and who knows, maybe even Diggs or, or Madison, he sits his guys. What do you think happens here? Because people are going to have to make a huge decision on Sunday. Uh, knowing Mike Zimmer, I think he's going to play. He's going to play for things. Uh, he's just going to go out there. And I think it's because it's the Packers, too. I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm hard-pressed to think they're not. And I don't think that it's impossible to imagine them winning this football game without Dalvin Cook. So I, I think he's going to go out there, and I would say play. I really do. Do you think he's not going to play them? You know, I don't know the answer. I mean, I'm going to have to make that decision because this I'm, is in Minnesota, correct? If I'm, if I'm wrong, it is right? in Minnesota, and I'm a I'm sorry. Owner. He's playing his guys at home. You would think that the matchup is against Green Bay. Like you're going to lay down against them. I, I, I don't think I, you lay down against Green Bay. I don't think I. I find that very difficult to believe you do at home. I find that very difficult for the fan base to swallow. If this game gets away from them at halftime, let's say it's I don't know, 30 to 10 or something like in half, I could say, all right, you know what? Let's pack it in. But I don't think that's going to be the score, and I don't think you do either. So I'm going to say he plays, guys. Yeah, I think it, I, I I think it matters so. to that. I hope, I hope so. That's going to come into – it may come into play for me. I mean, listen, there may be some people have wrapped up their titles, and they won't need that, but I, I certainly could be in that situation. All right, so this is the, the topic that we'll start to hear more about over the next few weeks because we've only had a handful of players announce that they're not playing in the bowl games. And there's some significant ones, especially on Washington. And then yesterday, arguably the top player – in all of college football, uh, decided that he is not going to play in the bowl game, which is Andrew Thomas. He's the best tackle in the country. Uh, look, there's going to be a lot of sexier names out there, but he is going to be a top five pick in the NFL draft. There's no question. I think he's a top three pick in the NFL draft. You just cannot find left tackles that are this good out there. They only come around once every few years. Joe, as an individual, would you play in a bowl game coming up outside of look semifinal games? I mean, you got to be crazy to not play in those games. I mean, you're playing for a national championship. What about playing in a marquee game like Georgia is against Baylor in the Sugar Bowl? If you were one of these kids that had a chance to be drafted very high, would you play? It seems like it's a 50-50 proposition. Some kids are, or they want to go out strong, and some kids are like, no way, not risking it. There would absolutely be no way I would do this. I would not play. I wouldn't. Uh, if, if I had a chance at real NFL guaranteed money, and I've made it through the college football season healthy, the bowl games mean nothing unless you're playing for the national championship. You're playing for the national championship. That matters. It matters to you. It matters to your program. It matters. And, and you know it matters. And I and you absolutely play then. But if you're not, if you're playing in the Chick-fil-A bowl or the, I don't know, the Coles, uh, you know, something or other bowl or whatever the hell bowl it is. I'm sorry. I don't. All that is is a cash grab for your university. And they've made enough money off you already. And you've given a lot of blood, sweat, tears and a lot of injuries, and a lot of other stuff to your university. There's absolutely positively no way if I had a lock guaranteed draft spot with money coming to me in the NFL that I am playing in a bowl game and risking that 
for my university to make some more money off me. I'm glad I got the education. I'm glad I got the opportunity to play and, and get spotlighted. I'm sorry. No way, no shape, no form. Absolutely not. Would you play? Oh, man, I probably not. But then as you get into hesitation for me, none. And when you get into these bigger games, though, you know, especially like from Alabama's point of view, I get it. Their own national championships. I get Alabama is that one school where you're like, oh, man, you know, it matters kind of because it's Alabama. You know, I I feel the opposite on that one. Uh, I actually feel like they have the best cash grab. No, yeah, I, I feel like they saw their quarterback go down and out for the year. How am I, I'm not going to take that chance. Like they're, like Jerry Judy is an example, okay? He announced that he's going to be playing in the bowl game against Michigan. Jerry Judy's top 10 pick in the NFL draft. Best receiver in the draft, for sure. And, I, he's, and, he's, and he's playing. But Jerry Judy also witnessed Tua go down and be out for like over a year. And I could understand if he said, you know something, that one hits close to home. I ain't going through that. Uh, but meanwhile, uh, Alabama's running back uh, backed out of the game. Um, and who knows? Judy may say no. Like this went down with Haskins all last year. I mean, Haskins uh, availability for Ohio State's game in the, went right up until the day of the game. No one knew if he was going to play or not. And, uh, and uh, listen, I agree with you. Like, I, I I can't believe that some of these kids with this kind of money uh, in the first round, especially have are, are going to choose to play in this game. But I guess give them credit. I mean, look, some people are giving them credit. But for me, no, I, <laughs> I couldn't take that risk. And we've seen injuries happen in bowl games before, like Frank Gore, um, or no, Willis McGahey, excuse me, Willis McGahey against Ohio State, oh, who had here. to sit out an entire year before playing with the Buffalo Bills. Um, okay, third down, a fan banned from uh, Oklahoma State games in the NBA last year, Joe, uh, basically is suing Russell Westbrook. They're not allowing him back into games. He went off on Westbrook a couple of years ago. And now he wants uh, to be able to go to games, and he also wants $100 million. This is a fair uh, litigation here against Westbrook and Oklahoma State. Uh, for $100 million? <laughs> like, for the Oklahoma City Thunder? I, I, I don't know. I mean, <laughs> it just seems like a lot of money, don't you think? <laughs> I mean, well, do you, you think if well, you ask for less? I mean, you, go ahead. You no, ask no. for a lot, and then you come down. You know, that's the point. You ask for you ask for a hundred million, you end up with two million, and you're thrilled. You know, like that's. And, I, and if, what if exactly? For two million, just, he was just heckling him. Did he say something that was? He had the, um, They called it an altercation. Um, you know, a couple of years. ago. I mean, if you pay for your seat, you're allowed to, I believe, be unhappy with the product you're seeing. That's fair. That's part of sports. I think there's a line you cross where you become abusive with whether it be racial slurs or you're abusive by throwing things onto the court where you're absolutely should be banned and that's fine. And nowadays, if you have video of that stuff, I mean, that that's, you know, it was, without a it doubt. It was verbal, though. There was no, like, physical. It was verbal. I think they told him to, uh, the fans told him to ice his knees, but he has great seats. So, of course, Westbrook heard it, went berserk. And you can only imagine what's being yelled from the upper rafters. So he said, ice those knees up, and the, that's why he got thrown up? Yeah. That's it? Well, I don't think that's was, enough. Yeah. That, I mean, look, it's uh, it, it's... It's, the NBA has rules now where basically this year, I think they implemented them that if you have a seat that's close enough to a player, the NBA has the right to kick you out. They started a new rule this year. So. Man, oh, man. Well, can you imagine poor Spike Lee would never have been able to sit any whole, uh, <laughs> any game for anybody? No, no. I mean, you know what's funny? here? That's that's probably the double standard, though, right? Because if it was Spike Lee who said that and got to an altercation, would they ban Spike Lee? Probably no. Because no. No. he's famous. Right. So, you know what? That's BS, man. Suck it up. You're making millions of dollars. Let people yell at you. All right, fourth down here. Uh, Anthony Daniels, the actor for C-3PO for the last, wow, 40 years has it been? 50? Uh, said that he uh, basically pitched the idea to J.J. Abrams that C-3PO would die in the final uh, edition of Star Wars uh, Skywalker, one that's coming out here this weekend. 
Uh, man, that's kind of sad. I didn't want to see C-3PO go down. Now, obviously, none of us have a clue as to what happens in the movie. And fortunately, there have been no spoilers out there. I mean, I'm on Twitter. So if somebody posted, I'm dead. I'm going to know exactly what happened. But I don't want to see this happen. Um, I got a question for you. Do you consider the robots alive? Um, no, but it's the equivalent of like, um, you know, like the Millennium Falcon getting blown up, I guess. Like that okay. would be the way I would I would compare it. So I mean, look, there is a piece. I mean, he has been in every single movie, right? All eight movies. Yes, yes, he has. Is he the only one, or is R two D two in all of them as well? I, I guess believe, both. I, I believe R two D two. Right. So the droids are the one through line through everything. That's what you got. Um, I think so. Yeah. I mean, I would be upset as a as a fan, but yeah, um, but you could understand it coming to. I was end. more upset when Han Solo died. That was actually when my kids my kids were very into Star Wars, and then we went to go see Force Awakens, and Han Solo died, and my daughter loved Han Solo, my oldest one. And she was like, "All right, I'm out." Like <laughs> she was basically like, wow. it was very difficult to get yeah. her into Star Wars again, and she hasn't seen any of the other ones since. She's just kind of mm. like, I don't know. So, well, the droid one thing killing Han Solo, another, but. Uh, Again, I guess that's a deeper philosophical question. Are the droids truly alive just because they have, you know, synthetic personalities? A lot of people we know have synthetic personalities. That's true. We'll dive into that and more. Uh, another show. Coming up next, Waiver Wire Wednesday. Uh, who would, who did we get on the Waiver Wire if we made any moves? One, I'm only in one league that's left. And, uh, and believe it or not, I was able to get who I wanted. Can't believe it. All right, we'll be back with more fantasy sports today. Don't go away. NFL season is now upon us, and you can become the eighth person to win $1 million in a FanDuel or DraftKings tournament by setting their lineups using the DailyRoto.com DFS lineup optimizer. If you are playing daily fantasy sports and not using DailyRoto.com, you're doing it wrong. Sign up now for the NFL access with a faster optimizer, smarter DFS projections, and better results. Enter promo code ACTION for a 10% discount. That's promo code ACTION for a 10% discount. DailyRoto.com, where millionaires are made. Fantasy Sports Today with Craig Mish and Joe Pizzapia. Uh-oh. Guess what day it is. Guess what day it is. Huh? Anybody? It's hump day. Waiver Wire Wednesday. Get in the game with a DraftKings Sportsbook. Listeners of this show can get a deposit bonus of up to $500. And here's how it works. Create a DraftKings Sportsbook account. Make a deposit. Place your first bet. DraftKings is going to match it. 50% bonus of up to $500. This offer is eligible to all users. Plus new risk-free wagers of up to $200 are involved as well. Go to sportsgrid.com slash DK to play. That's sportsgrid.com slash DK. If you have a gambling problem, call one 800 gambler by the way you must be in new jersey and be 21 years or older to play over on the site okay waiver wire wednesday in fantasy shockingly headed to the championship here 4 46 a.m is when the waivers run and in my championship team championship league and i'm looking at it and they allow other teams to make pickups in the consolation rounds because there's a third place prize putting in for Brashad Perryman, owning Winston, thinking there's no shot that we get this guy and waking up this morning, we got him. I mean, I can't oh, believe. Yeah. Like, how could nobody go for this? It just shows you the kind of league this is. I shouldn't even take credit for winning this league, how sad it is. I think um, you take credit for every league you win, no matter what, because you won the league. Sad, sad. Well, uh, but it's like, also, you read me that other person's roster, and Perryman, although could have been a flex play, I think there's a certain point where a lot of people are like, 
I'm not going to get myself in. There's a thought process out there from a lot of owners that says, I don't want to just chase that guy on the waiver wire that was good in week 15 and all of a sudden put him in my lineup and he sucks week 16. I've got to the championship. I don't even want to have him on my roster because if I do, I'm going to micromanage and overmanage and I might make a bad decision and I might lose because Perriman puts up a zero. I don't think that's going to happen, but I understand that thought process. Yeah, because somebody picked up on Johnson ahead of him. Someone picked and I up, can understand that too. I guess someone picked up Greg Ward ahead of him. Someone picked up Tony Pollard ahead of him. Somebody picked up the Eagles defense ahead of him. Somebody picked up uh, the Vikings defense ahead of him. Oh, well. Uh, so anyway, uh, Brashad, uh, Brashad Perryman, I think, has got to be the number one guy on the waiver wire. Uh, I have him at one. I have Boone at two. We got Boone also. No one picked him up. Okay, thanks. Uh, DeAndre Washington, I did not sniff. He was not added in this league. I'm playing in carry on Johnson, as I mentioned, is the four. I have Greg uh, Ward as the five. I probably would throw Watson on Tampa also as the six, because if um, it looks like Miller is out and Evans is out and Godwin is out. And if <laughs> and if and if indeed Winston's going to throw, let's let's stop with 400. Let's just say 300. Let's be right. fair here. 300. He's going to throw for 300. Where's that going? Like OJ You're Howard, the, 60, yeah. Brat, Cameron Brait, whatever, Brat, uh, give, him, give, him, give him 50. That's 110. Right. Uh, uh, Perryman's got to have 80. <laughs> I would think five for 80 is like, look, if you five for 80 is a very, very, or even six for 85, something in that range with a touchdown is almost impossible not to consider when you look at where they've been in terms of running the football. Now, the one thing they have said, they are going to have, they have to, because they're just out of personnel, get the running backs more involved. So even if you say there's 60, 70 yards pass uh, receiving for Ronald Jones and Peyton Barber combined, let's say, you know, whatever that might be, that still leaves plenty for Brashad Perryman. That still leaves plenty for OJ Howard. There's plenty to go around because no matter what, running the football is not their game. And even if they involve other guys, there's nobody who's going to take over a target share in the Mike Evans Godwin territory. So I still think Perryman is a very safe floor this week, no matter what. The other guys, it's tough to say. Yeah, Watson, I feel like I'm I'm now, you know, Beasley's now on the bench for me. But Watson, it was tempting also. <laughs> 400 yards. Like, I mean, Houston's pass defense is better than Detroit's, but Houston's ranked among great. them. It's not great. It is not ranked that high. And I feel, and not just because I have these guys, I feel like Arians and is like chasing something here, like to prove something, to prove he to is. Winston. It feels that way, and and honestly, like not just because I'm in the championship, I call it how it is. Like I don't know that they're going to be running the ball. Like I don't know. I think he's given they, this team respect, self respect, and that's something that hoping, the Tampa Bay Bucks have lacked for a long time. I was really, and, and the good thing also, if you have these guys on the Bucks too, and um. The total is 50 in the game, by the way. I would have liked it to be a little bit higher than that. But the good thing, too, is I really wanted them to still, and I Googled it this morning to see if they were in the playoff picture, like some, this happens and this happens and this happens and this happens for them to get in. They're not. I really wanted to see that. But but the Buccaneers are also in the position where the draft pick doesn't really matter. Like, there's nothing right. that they can do. Like, losing these next two games, they're still not drafting until the 18th or 19th overall. It's not happening. Like, they're playing they're for a job, team. and Arians playing to prove that Tampa is not going to be a doormat next year. And I think that's working. I mean, they've been very good. And part of that Texans um, 
pass defense going south has been because J.J. Watt's uh, injury. When you're not able to get pressure on the quarterback, all of a sudden things open up a little bit for the opposing passing game. And I think you can look at the stats and look at that trend and see the arrow you know, for passing yards against going up the same point in time where you saw J.J. Watt out. You'll see that that little bar graph like that or, or whatever the uh, pie chart. I don't know, some kind of graph or chart. I forget. What's the one with the arrows called? I don't know which one that is. You know what's in the, you know, it's not a chart. It's not a pie chart. And it's not a bar graph. What is that? Arrows? Maybe know. it is just a, maybe it's just a graph. I no, guess it's just right. a line. It's a line graph. There you go. I'm an idiot. It's a line graph. So anyone else? Did you add anyone or no? No, Boone was the only guy that I added um, because I just didn't want somebody else to have him. And I already had Perryman in all my leagues last year, last week, rather, that I was relevant in. So and he was starting in all of them. So, yeah, so I I already had it was ahead of the game on Perryman and the one league that I had carry on Johnson in. I had dropped him and I would at this point kind of I I wouldn't be searching for him to, to pick him up and make a difference. But I understand why people do. I get it. If he's healthy enough, maybe he does have a decent enough game, especially if you're desperate for a flex play. I get it. Yeah, uh, Perryman reminds me of Jamal Williams last year on Green Bay. This is like the same scenario where Aaron Jones got hurt and he was out and Jamal Williams played, scored two touchdowns for Green Bay in week 16. Mm-hmm. Um, it reminds me a little bit of that. I, I don't know that I could start any of these other guys in the championship. Honestly. The only way you could start Boone is if you had clarity about everybody else. Yeah, that's if it. If you had clarity about everybody, let's say Madison wasn't a, was was not healthy enough to play and Cook wasn't healthy enough to play. Right. He was the then wrong you know, guy. Of course, yes, absolutely. But, but there's still some people that would be hesitant. I would not be. I think w- he would, would be you, a good start. Okay, so let me ask you this. So um, now it may come down to Monday night for my championship here. If it gets to the championship on Monday night, and um, we're down, let's say, I'm going to throw, I got to throw a fair number. Let's say we're down 15 points, okay? Down 15 points going into Monday night, and Madison is out, and Cook is out. Would you play Diggs, or would you play Boone? I would play Boone because uh, for two reasons. Number one, uh, running backs tend to touch the ball more you can solidify that concept of of the running back touching the football more, especially in that offense. How about uh, if Thielen was out? Well, I can't imagine Thielen being out. He played last week. What I'm saying, well, back. you know, that kind of fits into maybe. Uh, Thielen you know. being in makes me like Diggs more. Oh, okay. <laughs> so, All right. Yeah, I mean, Diggs has been much better without him, though. I mean, well, I, that, that's not a He's had some big games when Thielen was in, too. He's just not like down. the games that he's been out. <laughs> Look, I, I understand Diggs is the better talent, that. but I would uh, whenever I get into that spot, I'm looking for touches. I look for touchdown upside. So, okay. you know, I think they would be both probably around the same projection points if if Boone was the standalone guy. I can see them both being projected for somewhere around 13 points. That makes sense because I don't think you could predict a touchdown for Diggs. I don't think that's fair. Yeah, it's going to be. I, I hope I'm not in that situation going into Monday night. I mean, the worst thing is being down. And then having to make that decision. <laughs> or, look, if, if, if we're, I mean, look, I don't want to be, honestly, owning Diggs being down even three points, I don't want. Like, that guy, you never know with that guy. Well, I you have to do. be smart. You have to be smart enough to make sure that you're leaving that flex spot open. That's the one that, you know, you don't, you oh, know. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Just, Absolutely. Everybody out there, too, remember that. If you have these kind of decisions out there, make sure you're giving yourself the flex spot open for the guy that you're unsure about and put that guy in there so you can make an adjustment on a Monday night if you want to or a Sunday night. Yeah, no, absolutely. No doubt about that. All right. Since uh, we ran over in the first segment, we'll uh, we'll take a quick time out here. Coming up next, we'll do the latest around Major League Baseball 
And um, there were some signings and some players that potentially could move on to some other places. So we'll touch on that next. Also, don't forget, if you're listening to the show live, you can also listen on demand on the FNTSY app. Make sure you download that. Uh, Also on iTunes and Google Play, please like and subscribe to the show. And uh, pretty much automated. It will get sent to you automatically to your phone if you subscribe to our show as a podcast. So do it that way as well. Also, Stitcher is a great website where we have that. And audioboom.com, the audio gets posted to that as well. And don't forget, over on Sports Grid TV, not just fantasy content, but gambling content. Really, this time of the year, it's time to pivot to that as fantasy uh, takes a back seat to uh, to college basketball and gambling as well. All right, so don't go anywhere. We'll come back with that uh, baseball discussion, hot stove discussion. And then in the second hour, since the Star Wars movie is getting ready to come out here in the next 24, 48 hours, we'll touch on the top 10 or top nine, top 10 Star Wars movies of all time. That's coming up next right here on Fantasy Sports Today. Don't go away. NFL season is now upon us, and you can become the eighth person to win $1 million in a FanDuel or DraftKings tournament by setting their lineups using the DailyRoto.com DFS lineup optimizer. If you are playing daily fantasy sports and not using DailyRoto.com, you're doing it wrong. Sign up now for the NFL access with a faster optimizer, smarter DFS projections, and better results. Enter promo code ACTION for a 10% discount. That's promo code ACTION for a 10% discount. DailyRoto.com, where millionaires are made. Fantasy Sports Today with Craig Mish and Joe Pizzapia. And welcome back to Fantasy Sports Today. It is Craig Mish along with Joe Pizzapia with you here on the program. And uh, pretty soon it's time to move on to some baseball and it seems like every day what we're hearing now is a lot of these players are signing minor league contracts interesting that a lot of major league players are signing minor league contracts and we'll get into those players as well because some of them could have fantasy relevance you never know they get a non-roster invite to spring training they make the team all of a sudden especially in the only leagues al only nl only they become popular but there were a couple of signings yesterday and from overseas interestingly enough um let's start off with the toronto blue jays they signed Shun Yamaguchi, and uh, not knowing a ton about him, you're just kind of going off statistics that were coming over from Japan, and he was on the Yomuri Giants, and Joe looks like a player that could possibly be you know, a, a four-starter or a five-starter. The Jays are in so much trouble in terms of starting pitching. Like I'm not even sure how this is going to work for them this year. They're kind of right back in the position they were last year. The only benefit to Toronto, of course, is they have Bo Bichette, they have Vlad Jr., they have Kevin Biggio, and they didn't have those three guys at the start of last year, and so their offense will be better, but I still think that they are going to have to sign more than Yamaguchi, and I believe, did they did they sign Tanner Roark? Were, were they the team that signed him? Yes, they did. Mm-hmm. Okay, so Roark is their probably opening day starter. Uh, P- Pearson <laughs> is on the way. That's not till June. Uh, not much else, though, there. They, they no, pieced it together last year with Clayton Richard and Shoemaker and a bunch of other non-relevant fantasy guys, but Yamaguchi, I'm guessing in an AL only, probably going to go for three bucks, right? Sounds about right. Oh, in an AL only. I'm still shocked how many people play only leagues at this stage of the game. I I don't know. I just, 
I find it very tedious. I don't get it. I, I understand the, you know, the old school appeal of it and the people, you know, been playing for a long time liking it, but I don't know. I, I just don't get it. But the word bereft comes to mind when you talk about uh, starting pitching and the Toronto Blue Jays. They just, they just don't have any of it. And it's very difficult whenever you get pitchers coming over from different leagues. And on last year we saw Kikuchi come over and that was not a good experiment. His ERA ended up at five and a half and he had some pretty decent, you know, seasons over there. Very steady guy. It looked like over in the Japanese league. And I know we've gotten pitchers from the Korean league. We talked about Lindblom having success there. So, you know, different versions of baseball, different things. What temp- typically happens when you have these pitchers come over to Major League Baseball is they struggle with the five-man rotation concept. They struggle with having to pitch every fifth day. It's a different kind of schedule for the most part. So the grind being very different, but he's going to have a shot. So in only leagues, I get it. In very deep leagues, I get it. I love the name because when he strikes out, guys, you could say he got shunned. I like that. I could see the hashtag shun going in every start there for the Toronto social media team. But this is a team that definitely needs to acquire more pitching. I don't know if it's maybe convincing a Dallas Keuchel or maybe taking a shot at somebody else, but they definitely need more bodies. Just like you said, the other kids that they have in the system, they're not close. So I think you have to look at the Alex Woods of the world, you know, that kind of, you know, lower tier pitcher. They already did that with, with Tanner Rourke. Um, Right. I I don't know if that's been finalized because it's not here on MLB, but this might be an older list that I'm looking at, but I could have sworn I heard that last year. that The Blue Blue Jays need to just cut the crap and not sign Ryu or Keuchel or any of these other guys. They're going. Well, they're not a competitive team. They they might be a plucky team, but they're not going to be competing for division. No, no. they need to get Gio Gonzalez or someone like that. One year. Why would they spend 50 million on on Jason Vargas? Yeah, just load it up with that. Trade him at the deadline. You're not winning. You're not beating Tampa. You're not beating the Yankees. You're right. Pro- probably, probably not beating not. the Red Sox either. Yeah, probably not. The Red Sox seem a little strange to me right now. But yes, you're probably not beating those three teams. It's just a, you're beating Baltimore. That's basically who you're in competition with. All right. The other pitcher who will definitely have more fantasy relevance, um, Kwon Hong Kim, who signed with the Cardinals, was 17 and six in the Korean Baseball League last year. And again, the quality of competition is not like it is in Japan. 17 and 6, 2.51 earned run average, throws mid to high 90s, struck out 310 batters over 326 innings. The Cardinals in their starting rotation are okay. They have Flaherty, Hudson, Michaelis, Wainwright, and then maybe Carlos Martinez. But none of these guys are really solid outside of Flaherty. We don't know what Hudson's going to be. Michaelis took a step back. Wainwright is Wainwright. Actually had a great year last year, Wainwright. But again, older Carlos Martinez is not the model of health. Uh, I'm going to guess that Kim, again, even, even if you don't, you don't even like him, in the NL only format is going to be worth more than three or four bucks. This guy is going to be able to pitch out of the bullpen. He's going to be able to pitch in the rotation. I'd probably set his uh, starts for the season if I had to put a fake Vegas total at like 12 or 13 which makes him fantasy relevant for the year. The problem is, again, we don't know enough about him. We don't know a lot about him. But the Cardinals do have uh, some success with finding these starting pitchers and relief pitchers, especially from... uh, Yeah, their foreign scouting is much better. Their foreign... uh, This this feels much better to me than the other signing because you have a track record here with the St. Louis international scouting guys of bringing in guys that have been relevant. So I think what you're alluding to with Kim is... You might not know if the innings are coming from starting or relieving wherever they are, but because he's left-handed, he's going to get opportunities because they have a decent investment, two years, $8 million, is decent enough that I feel like you look at it and you go, he might be able to give me quality innings. He might be a guy in a 20-team league 
that I want on my bench that I could just throw in there in season long. And maybe I'm going to get a run of quality innings. If I have, you know, a stretch where I'm missing a starter on the 10 day IL or some kind of situation like that, where maybe you just throw Kim in there and you just let him accrue over those two weeks, somehow eight innings of, of decent baseball and you, and you take the 10 strikeouts or eight strikeouts. Maybe he gives you and, and you move on. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. And in this day and age of fantasy baseball, those kind of guys are coming up more and more as useful because I would rather have lesser quality innings from a guy who's a middle reliever or a swing guy or whatever we want to call him at this point than plucking off a guy on the waiver wire like Jason Vargas who could kill me in a start. I would much rather go with a guy like him. Yeah, the Cardinals, uh, you know, are going to. I mean, look, Yelich is is in the NL Central. There's some you know good hitting players in that division too, not just him. Uh, you pretty much on every starting rotation have to have at least the option of a left-handed starter. And that is what Kim gives the Cardinals uh, in the past. Of course, uh, Sung Juan Oh was fantastic for them for a couple yeah, of years sure. uh, when they won the world series. This goes back a long way. So Taguchi was a really good player for oh, them yeah. as well. So they've been able to find these guys, not just from there, but also internationally um, and scouting in from Cuba. Remember, Aledmus Diaz was there and was very relevant for a year. Adalis Garcia, who they've I'll tell you, international scouting of the Cardinals, whenever they bring in these guys, you should take notice of it in fantasy because, like you said, it's not necessarily longevity, but there is usually some at least mild impact that they make where they're useful in the deeper formats or the NL only formats. Going back to Carlos Martinez real fast, I know last year in the summer we talked about when he came back, what was his best role, and he ended up going into the closer role, and I, that was something I agreed with for sure. Do you think that that's his future? Because I feel like that's the best situation for him and for the rest of the team. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's interesting. Cause at the winter meetings, uh, I'm very close with his situation. Uh, he doesn't want to do that. He wants to start. He's going to get a chance to start. Um, baseball's a little different than maybe some of the other sport uh, sports. Again, um, I get what you're saying where it's best for the team. They're paying it's him a best lot for of him too. I understand yeah, he, like he the pride of wanting to be a starter. Yeah, I he get wants that. He's, I, I totally understand. I totally get it. But when you look at what relievers are able to make on the open market, some of these times, I mean, what is that contract trying to just got 11 million, right? What do you get? Something like that. You know, yeah. just on a one year deal off a terrible season. It's amazing with somebody. I understand like reliever contracts might be coming back down to earth a little bit, but if you prove to be a good closer, somebody's going to pay you and overpay you. I don't know. I think it would be a better path for him, but I understand the pride of wanting to be a starting pitcher. Yeah, the pride. And and again, um, you know, the money that he's making, Joe, um, you know, he's going to make 11 million uh, this year, 11 million next year, 11 million in 2021. And then at that point, the team could buy him out. Yeah, I, I don't think that they would pick up his option. He's got a $17 million option in 2022. So we'll have to see. But uh, my guess is uh, he he could end up in the bullpen, but they're going to go into spring training from what I understand. And Martinez will be in the starting rotation in the spring. That could change and, and they could go in another direction. And do the Cardinals have a full blown uh, guaranteed closer in the ninth inning right now? I, um, I don't think so. So, no. you know, that could factor in Hicks is out for the year. So they're going to need to figure something out. Um, I don't know. You know, we'll, we'll just have to see what happens in the spring. A uh, couple of uh, players let's get into here. Ryan Healy, who two years ago was was really good in fantasy. <laughs> it's crazy. Like I think Ryan Healy almost made the all-star team, if I'm not mistaken, with Oakland. Then went to Seattle, then got non-tendered. He resurfaces with the Milwaukee Brewers. 
But, Joe, there, there's some playing time for Ryan Healy. I don't know what he's going to do with it. I don't know if he's going to even make the team out of spring training, but Ryan Healy's got a shot to play on Milwaukee, right? Third base, first base. They, he they has a to, shot to play. Openings. He has a shot to be the new Travis Shaw. <laughs> if, things, if things map out properly, it's a, it's, a much, it's a huge improvement in terms of ballpark factor, a huge improvement in terms of supporting cast, just having Yelich there just alone. Uh, Seattle was not a good offensive team last year. We all know that. But man, it's you look at the numbers, you understand the powers there with Healy. He, you know, he's been a 25-75 kind of a player. The trouble with Healy is strikeouts and consistent contact. Massive and strikeouts, yeah. Massive, yeah. yeah. But you I mean that was kind of Travis Shaw's deal, too. So, I mean, there's no reason to think that he can't get to Milwaukee and do a little bit better. He's got to get that OBP back to the 330 range of his youth and then where he's gone recently, which is 300 or sub you can't have obps of 289 and be a useful fancy player It is very difficult to do because you're just not making enough impact you're not on base enough you're not making things happen so a little bit more plate discipline out at this point in the career we're going to get that but i think you can at least look to him in uh, in season long roto and go all right well there's a dude that at least if i'm looking for a little cheap power late maybe you take a dollar flyer on him and i think it might work out um in head-to-head points or head-to-head categories leagues, I'm I'm less interested. But I think you can, you know, I think you can make a case for him because, like you said, at bats might be there. Yeah, I, and and think about the corners for the Brewers and their fill-in guys. The corners were uh, well. I mean, look, Mike Mustakas played there. We know that. Okay, um, you're up to Arcia, Keston Hira, and Urias. That's the infield right now with Ryan Braun playing first base. Yeah, but think about uh, Aguilar. And mm-hmm. Moustakis and yep. um, Thames, right? Thames there mm-hmm. at first. Also, he's, he's not there. Shaw is mm-hmm. gone. Hernan Perez, who signed with the Cubs. Yep. Uh, Hernan Perez was also. They don't have options. So no. Ely, I, I don't I don't know that he'll be good. I'm not willing to say that. But the PT is going to be there, at least in the spring, for him to make the team. So, um, okay, uh, real quick, uh, best relievers left on the market before we uh, take a timeout here. Uh, I'm looking at Batanz is still out there. Um, I'm looking at. I think you could stop there. <laughs> Will Smith. I mean, I'm sorry, not Will Smith. Will Harris. Why did no, I put Will Smith on the rundown? Uh, Will uh, Harris. Principal air. I guess so. Daniel Hudson. This is really weak, right? Okay, Hudson. It's not a great year for relievers now. It's, no, not. it's not. And I think that's why Batansis is asking for a big contract because I feel like he, he thinks should. he can get it. And he's probably right. Yeah. You he's know, get 8 million. A, it, yeah. Man, that's a dude that I would absolutely take a shot on. Big guy, throws hard, burnt out from New York, change of scenery, you know, give this guy another opportunity at a different place to kind of just do his thing. I, I would be all in on Batansis if I was the Twins or some of these other teams that are right there and competing. But, you know, you know, you have some questions, at least in the in the bullpen. Bring in a guy like this that you know could potentially I close. Yeah. I mean, it makes a ton of sense, especially when the market's not very good. And I don't know how the trade market's going to be this offseason either. I haven't looked at the 2021 free agent closers, but Batanzas uh, to me is by far the best guy in terms of taking a shot on somebody. All right, that'll do it for hour number one. We'll be back with more fantasy discussion for hour number two right after our best of the first hour. You're listening to Fantasy Sports Today. Don't go away. NFL 
season is now upon us, and you can become the eighth person to win $1 million in a FanDuel or DraftKings tournament by setting their lineups using the DailyRoto.com DFS lineup optimizer. If you are playing daily fantasy sports and not using DailyRoto.com, you're doing it wrong. Sign up now for the NFL access with a faster optimizer, smarter DFS projections, and better results. Enter promo code ACTION for a 10% discount. That's promo code ACTION for a 10% discount. DailyRoto.com, where millionaires are made. Fantasy Sports Today with Craig Mish and Joe Pizzapia. Welcome back to Fantasy Sports Today. As we wrap up the first hour of the show, here's what you missed. What percentage of people do you think that are out there are still paying attention to fantasy football at this point. I always wonder when we get to this stage, like for example, if if you have a uh, a classroom with a 100% attendance record mm-hmm. in in August. Let's use August as an example. What percentage do you think care at this point? And I I'm very comfortable yeah. hosting this show and being in the position I'm in to be able to say these kind of things because the powers that be have given me full carte blanche and to, you know, to, to do things like this. Whereas maybe in my previous gig I couldn't say that. Um and, and, and I, I'm just wondering what your perspective is on it. Like, do you think that people that are out are still caring or they tuned out? Like, what, what, what would you I say? I think it's a higher percentage than you realize because I think there's a, I mean, from what I've garnered over the last couple of years with Black Book football really blowing up, I mean, I, I've got a ton of messages over, like, like, I have had as many Twitter questions the last three weeks as I've had, and even this week, as I've had all year. It's crazy. So that means that's a good thing. That means people are having success with right. Black Book and everything. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's a positive. But I would say there's such a huge fantasy football community that even teams that are out of it, they like to be in the discussion of it because they obsess about it. That's why they're reading the Black Book in June and July. And that's why that at the end of it, if their teams did go wrong and they're not playing for championships, they still want to hear about it because they're already thinking about next year. So I'm going to say for the fantasy football fan out there, it's probably 75% are still into it and interested because a lot of them are still playing DFS. And a lot of them are already thinking about next year and prepping, if you can believe it. They're already trying to evaluate what went right and what went wrong.